0: Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right, my friend. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Email, as you well know or should know by this point in time, is Todd. That's my first name at todhuffshow.com. And you can email me there your thoughts, opinions, questions, feedback. Adoration and praise. Just make it count is all I ask. Again, Todd at com. So Facebook has an anonymous review board that is designed or I guess tasked with the responsibility of saving our democracy from President Former President Donald J. Trump. Just let that sink in. They've got an, Now, we know who the 20 board members are, which sounds like a group of radical leftists Soros approved from around the world, some here domestically. If all 20 were given the opportunity to vote for President Trump, do you think one of those folks would have ca- – <laughs> sorry, just the, the notion of this makes me chuckle. Do you think one of those individuals would have voted for President Donald J. Trump? So then they take the 20 board members, and they have five of them. They won't tell us which five. They won't tell us which five. They look into Trump's ban on Facebook. They look into this to see if it was done correctly. Did Zuckerberg do the right things in the days following the uh, the, the January 6th? events at the nation's capital the insurrection as the media and the radical left like to tell us look what happened january 6th insofar as it pertains to what happened at the capitol the storming of the capitol not the protests what happened january 6th at the capitol was illegal um it was a you know they broke the law they need to face the consequences of that there are some questions and uh, that that also are worthy of being answered as there are with any any events like this but the things that happened there were not were not good but to say it was an insurrection i just the way that the left builds this up to make it look like they're fighting to save our republic against i mean it, it's just it's utterly absurd it is utterly absurd to to make it and i i there were um you know lives that were lost and that's always terrible but to make it out as some sort of attempt to truly overthrow our government. Really, is that really what we're, what they're portraying this to be? But nonetheless, Trump's on social media, and he actually, if you remember the video, they even cite this in their ruling. But they they cite in their ruling to uphold Zuckerberg's decision to kick Trump off indefinitely off their platform. Trump told folks, to go home and to be peaceful. He also said I love you. That's the part that they don't like. That they say is some sort of I guess a dog whistle to wink wink I like what you did. But it seems at least possible, if not more likely, much more likely, but just I'm just from the perspective of a radical. You should at least you should at least be open to the possibility that what he was saying was that Those who came out to the Capitol, to D.C. in general, and even those that went to the Capitol who didn't storm the Capitol, which that was some people as well, that Trump appreciated the support. He wasn't saying go in there and be lawless and burn it down. In fact, it's usually folks on the other side. If those idiotic words are stated, remember just – I just remember some of the other protests in D.C., Remember the old church, the historic church that was on fire? Remember that? That wasn't because of Trump supporters, but that's not a big deal. We gloss over that as, you know, random people out there in an otherwise peaceful protest who decided to do something that broke the law. That's how the riots that are run by the left are portrayed. But does it sound very democratic to you to have a group of 20 that we know who the 20 are but then they have a secret group of 5 within the 20 they don't tell us which 5 are going to study this for months. I mean by the way that's the other thing. We are what are we? We're in the that was 4 months ago. 4 months to review Donald Trump's social media posts. To determine, I know these folks are busy, but four months it should take four minutes for four months to come to a conclusion here, and we're supposed to believe you're supposed to believe I'm supposed to believe that this this group of five anonymous people met in a closed room for hours, weeks, even months, closed the door, we're stroking their chin, we're trying so hard, trying so hard to find a way to justify letting the former president of the United States have his Facebook account back, Instagram accounts. Oh, they were just, you know, struggling over this. Finally, they get together, make a full recommendation to the board. To the 20, the board takes that recommendation, and then we're told that a majority of the board supported their recommendation, which was to continue to continue the ban, of President Donald J., former President Trump, on on Facebook. But they don't tell us the vote. Was it 11-9? Was it 20-0? Again, I just find it peculiar that a group at Facebook designed to make sure there's no false information on their platform, and this is Instagram as well, but to make sure that no one on their platform is spreading misinformation so as to mislead Americans and undermine our democracy operates in so much secrecy. We don't know who's on the group. We don't know how anyone voted. We don't know why they decided, truly. I mean, we see some maybe talking points. We don't know why they decided to uphold the band. But we're supposed to trust that they are making these decisions in order to fight for our democracy this is to be praised and cheered according to the left as these folks are meeting in silent meeting anonymously making decisions i mean it's 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 a remarkable thing it really is and people you know cheer this they think it's a great thing oh my goodness and then meanwhile trump says forget all that i'm just gonna come up with my own platform which he announced, what, the day before this ruling was was issued, which is brilliant as well. That's one thing Trump is a master of. He knows how to stay in the news cycle. He knows how to remain relevant. Now, granted, his, uh, his voice is dramatically diminished now that he's not president. But in comparison to other presidents who leave office, Of course, the circumstances were different. The fact that he only served one term is different than many, right, Um, many presidents. The last one-term president was George H.W. Bush. He was defeated by Clinton in, what, 1990, uh, 1992, and before that, Jimmy Carter. But, you know, many presidents, there's a lot of people who have only known— presidents who've served two terms Clinton Obama Bush not in that order Clinton Bush Obama but you know what I mean anyway so Facebook has upheld this Trump says I'm starting my own so it's not really social media. it's a it's a it's it's called from the desk of Donald Trump and he's just gonna put his videos and messages and press releases and statements and that sort of thing on there which he's done plenty of which there are some that he's put out there even in the past couple of days about liz cheney about the supreme court about this facebook situation but trump's going to continue to be out there talking about this of course promoting his own platform and and People who are part of that platform need to, I, many are making decisions. Do I want to continue to be a part of this? Do I want social media to be a dominant part of my life? You know, it's amazing the, the differences. Some people live and breathe on, on Facebook, and many of you might. Other folks that hear my voice right now don't have a social media account at all some people have an account and they just maybe poke their head in there to see what's going on see what the price of milk is or who won the latest state baseball championship or whatever it is that people do which is fine i'm just saying and then there's just a variety people you know use it to connect with people use it in good ways some people waste hours of time on there some people you know read stuff and learn stuff and connect with people, good and bad. But a lot of folks are, you know, these things matter, I think, to to some people anyway. They ask themselves, is this really the direction that, you know, is this really an organization that we want to be a part of? Republicans are out there saying maybe it's time to break up Facebook using antitrust laws and so forth if they're deliberately silencing people and political ideas that's not what this is designed for Clarence Thomas has recently hinted at spoken about Facebook's unique position saying that they are in many ways more like a utility than they are um, you know just another general company especially when people use it to engage in speech and you've got section 230 and all that all these different Issues. You've got Florida, by the way. Florida passed a law. I saw this in townhall.com. Florida passes a law that, as the headline here says in townhall, prevents woke social media from muzzling politicians. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis promised to end this woke nonsense, says the article written by Matt Vespa, townhall. Uh, surrounding social media bans. Donald Trump uh, Trump has been purged from Facebook and Twitter, and that was when he was still president, which let that sink in, by the way. The leader of the free world was banned. So to prevent politicians from being muzzled, Florida has passed a law that would ban these companies from enacting bans. He put big tech on notice this February, and now it's here. And this is uh, DeSantis. The floor. Well, this is the bill passed by the House and Senate. In Florida voted and then signed by DeSantis. Here's a summary of that. The Florida House and Senate voted this week to pass legislation that would prohibit social media companies from banning politicians. Fines for social media companies that try to ban politicians from their platforms could add up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars a day. Well, that's chump change for Facebook, but nonetheless. Uh, For statewide politicians and $25,000 a day for other elected officials, the Sun Sentinel reported. The, The bill, which still allows for politicians to be suspended for two weeks and for individual posts to be taken down if they violate the company's policies, is now headed to Republican Governor Ron DeSantis. That's how that news outlet summarized the legislation. Um... And so DeSantis is signing this thing and, and that's one way to to deal with this. Now you've got the whole, you know, the legal avenues that come from this, but you've also, as I said, have Republicans in the US Congress who are talking about now, granted, there's no majority, um, especially in the House for I say especially there's a bigger gap there in the House than there is in the Senate even. But Republicans are – there's the filibuster in the Senate as well. But the idea that they can do something with this is seems unlikely because Democrats in Congress, in the Senate and the House, are quite content with the outcome of having their political opponents having a voice on social media. Of course, they'll cite the violence on January 8th and how – We can't have anyone who, as they will portray it, condones that, which Trump did not condone it. But that's what they'll say because he said, we love you. Again, talking to – I mean context is king, but this is what they'll say. We shouldn't have a president of the United States or anyone, former president, current president, anyone out there that's condoning the violence. This has to be done for our safety. This has to be done to save our democracy. Insurrection was caused by Facebook. Of course we know we know that Facebook, uh, that a lot of this planning was done beforehand, and that Facebook was used more than other social media channels. Remember, some of these other channels were punished tremendously. Parlor, for example, Gab. Facebook didn't, for some reason it was all parlor's fault. For another reason, Facebook bore no responsibility whatsoever. This thing was said to have been a spontaneous riot or insurrection, but there was planning that took place. That was ignored because that seemed to go against the narrative that Trump incited it during his speech moments before, hours before the riot actually happened at the Capitol. Anyway, this is, uh, this is, this is important stuff. This is important stuff and and this is the sort of thing this is the sort of thing that happens when when countries begin to move away from free debate, free free exchange of ideas from liberty itself into something much more heinous, much more wicked and evil. You know, I was taught when I was a student that free speech, if you're really a defender an ardent defender of, of free speech, you'll actually defend the speech you even disagree with. Now now defending free speech means that you silence free speech. Now, this is not rational and logical or constitutional, but nonetheless, this is what they'll tell you. If you silence free speech, you're really the warrior for democracy. You are a social justice warrior for our democracy quick timeout is in order a little bit long this segment you're listening here to the home of conservative not bitter talk i am your host todd huff back here in just a minute I saw this yesterday and, and I I don't know we didn't have time and I, I don't know I just didn't really want to talk about it I guess just with the time that we had but have you seen this picture of the Bidens with former President Jimmy Carter and his and former First Lady Rosalind Carter have you seen this picture this thing I, I don't understand how how a group of people, whose whose entire existence revolves around political optics, how in the world does this picture get published? This is the weirdest looking picture I can remember. I can remember seeing. It literally looks like, it literally looks like Rosalind Carter, who I believe they say is five five, and I understand uh, optics and how lenses and flashes can affect how something looks in an in an image and i've read articles about (laughs) i've read articles about this as well it looks like Rosen carter could take a piggyback ride on joe biden actually it almost looks like he could put her in his pocket if i'm being candid here it is a bizarre looking picture. It looks like either Biden is 9 foot 8 or Rosalind Carter is the size of a 7, 10, 8, 9 year old. Something like that. Jimmy Carter next to Jill Biden looks not quite as bizarre but still equal, close to equally as bizarre. And I just – I don't understand how something like this gets – gets published it just looks weird, and there's people out there trying to explain this. you know f- the flash that was used eliminates shadows, so you really can't shadows are one one way that we use to gauge depth, and so Biden is much closer to the camera than is Rosalind Carter. It just looks really bizarre to me, and if you haven't seen it it is worth la- looking at just to get a little bit of a of a chuckle because it looks like again the bidens are either giants or the carters have and i you know they're they're older and you know people lose a little bit of height in their as they age uh but th- that cannot possibly explain this but that's what it looks like that's what it looks like and again for a group of people that are so interested in showing joe biden in his aviators right to show joe biden in slow motion with some cool music walking in front of the white house or jogging or playing with his dog or whatever not of course the instance where he grabbed his dog's tail and broke his foot somehow (laughs) but i just don't understand this it looks really bizarre and i have gotten more chuckles out of this than maybe maybe i should have cuz it is just it is really it is really something to see if you haven't seen it and again i mean it's just it's just a picture it it's just it just doesn't it just looks so wrong i don't know how it got past uh the the image makers in the biden administration and his team it just looks so so odd so odd anyway want to talk a little bit here um, and I'll go ahead and start before the break. But we talked about yesterday. We talked about yesterday the Chauvin juror. We talked about reports um, that of, of a T-shirt that he had worn um, prior to being selected, which, again, it's just a T-shirt. But on the other hand, you're wearing a T-shirt um, with a... Reference to knees, you know, it says, get your knees off our necks, which is, of course, and a direct reference to George Floyd and Derek Chauvin. Now you're selected to be a juror on that trial. You're not supposed to have any preconceived ideas as far as, I mean, you can't have probably have heard, have avoided hearing about the case, especially if you lived in Minneapolis prior to jury selection. But The amount that you knew, the amount that you researched, the, you know, whether or not you were engaging in protests, if you were out there, um, you know, basically saying definitively that the officer broke the law and should go to jail, then you probably shouldn't be on the jury. Likewise, if you're out there saying what he did was totally justifiable and, you know, he he was justified in doing it, period, then you probably shouldn't have been on the jury. Juries require people who haven't made up their minds yet. And so, and so it's, uh, there's a, been a little bit more, in fact, that, that's come out about this. He was on a, what, a radio show or a podcast, something here called Get Up Mornings with Eric Campbell. And she asked him some questions and he said some things that are further Disturbing about the process, or I guess the mentality here of of what it what was going on in his mind and the rationale and the reasoning for wanting to be on on the jury and I we're dangerously close again. I just I'm sure that the no judge ever wants to declare a mistrial. Well, no no judge that's worth his or her weight. Uh, doesn't want to just randomly just dis- declare a mistrial you want to you want to run a trial so that you're not being inefficient with taxpayer dollars. you want to run a trial that's fair to the defendant and that gives the prosecution every opportunity within the rules of the law and the legal system to present their case and when there's times that the prosecution wants to do something that's prohibited say from the fruit of the poisonous tree, from a search warrant that was conducted, or excuse me, a search that was conducted without a warrant, for example, just as an example, then you withhold or don't, don't allow the presentation of that evidence. or Just make sure that things are done by the letter of the law, giving uh, the defense every opportunity to defend himself or herself and giving the prosecution the chance to present the evidence as it is allowed by law. And to try to keep bias and outside influence from affecting your jury and all this sort of stuff. Making sure the jurors understand their role, explain the charges, explain the process, and then let them do their thing. And so – but we're dangerously close now. We're dangerously close to this – to a judge deciding that this is is a mistrial because of this stuff. And I'm going to reference some of what he said on the other side of the break we've got to get there here in just a moment so sit tight as we get through this break we'll continue discussing this latest these latest developments in the chauvin verdict with one of these jurors after the break so be back here in just a minute So, I'll tell you that we are always looking for ways to continue to grow, and I we're grateful for those in the audience here for helping us, um, helping us grow and reach new people, and for downloading the podcast, for listening to us on Freedom ninety five, sharing it on social media, all that, all that stuff, and and so exploring some ways that and that we might be able to expand our reach and some, I'm telling you this because yesterday I was sitting down with one of our longtime advertisers at Economy Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing. I was sitting down with John and telling him about just a, just a pretty unique opportunity that, that's that been um, made available to us that we're looking at that I think um, if you listen to this program, I think you'd be interested in what we've got potentially coming down the the line here. But, so I was talking with him about about that, and I just wanted to, A, tell you that we, again, we we get to know the, the folks. Uh, I know the majority of the folks, the vast majority of the folks that advertise here on our program in economy, heating, air conditioning, and plumbing, and Jod. I deal with Jod, uh, one of the owners there. Just a great guy, great company. And if you're looking, as you look up, down the horizon here, we're in early May. You know the summer's coming. You may be worried about your air conditioning uh, being able to do the job. Maybe it just needs service. Maybe it's time to consider another system. I don't, I don't know. But whatever the case may be, if you're thinking about, uh, you know, your system and are concerned about it, consider reaching out to our friends at Economy Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing. Find out more information by visiting their website, economyheatingandair.com, or by calling them, 317-831-5279, excuse me, three one seven eight three one five two seven nine. As with all of our advertisers, uh, be sure to tell them that you heard about them on our show. And I appreciate the support that you give to our advertisers. So before the break, we were talking about... Uh just this latest development with the juror. The juror on the Derek Chauvin trial. And he was again, he's worn this shirt. His name's Brandon Mitchell, Juror 52. I'm looking at an article here at Red State. Nick. Um I've lost my place here. Chauvin, your headline, Chauvin juror admits he was at D.C. protest, makes more concerning statements. I previously reported about the problematic comments of Brandon Mitchell, juror 52, in the trial of Derek Chauvin and the death of George Floyd. Mitchell appeared on Get Up Mornings with uh, the show with Erica Campbell on April 27th. Mitchell spoke about his experience on the jury. During the interview, Campbell said that many aren't all that eager to do jury duty, which is true. People aren't necessarily eager to serve on a jury. She asked him about what message he would leave people about saying yes to jury duty, and this is what he said. He says this, I I mean, it's important if we want to see some change. We want to see some things going different. We got to get out there. We get into these avenues, get into these rooms to try to spark some change. Jury duty is one of those things. Jury duty, voting, all of those things we got to (sighs) do. Folks, this is really beginning to be problematic. You don't serve on a jury for the purpose of making some sort of larger change. In fact, I saw a quote yesterday in an email From Ben Shapiro, and it is spot on correct. And it said that social justice is the polar opposite or the enemy or the antithesis of one of those phrases of due process. And he's right. Social justice says we have a big problem in America, let's just say with this example with police brutality. And so. I want to make a point. I want to cause some societal change. I think that police are doing whatever it is wrong. I don't want to get into necessarily the specifics because then emotions get involved. But police are doing this wrong. So when I'm called as a juror, I'm going to go in there with the intent to put an end to it. Wait a minute. Derek Chauvin is charged with specific things, specific crimes, and he's been convicted by a jury of his peers for specific crimes, he has to be guilty based upon his involvement. Anything else that happened, any other name that is mentioned, I mean, uh, courts and defense attorneys go to extraordinary lengths to make sure that you're not influenced by anything other than the facts of the case. In fact, when I was on the jury... The prosecution played a tape of an interview with the, um, with the defendant, and they forgot to edit out part of a, a phrase that or a term he had, uh, he had said in his interview, and he said it multiple times because it just came up during questioning and during the conversation, and they were supposed to take it out, and it was in there multiple times, and they missed one of them and, this, and as soon as that happened they dismissed us early for lunch the judge said you're, you're gonna have a long lunch we got to figure something out here we didn't really know exactly what was going on and then when we got back we were given specific instructions as to disregard that term that was not supposed to be there that should not impact our decision I think the term was it was a um, a, a drug or something. Pertaining to drug paraphernalia or something—I don't even remember the exact term now—but the the judge specifically stopped everything and, and was—you know—the the defense was trying to get a mistrial declared. He said, "No, I'm going to instruct them that that is not to be part of their decision." It was said one time, "I can—you know—they're mature adults; they can understand." But you don't want to be convicting this guy of another crime, is the point, because he had a problem with drugs. Some people think, "Oh, here we go, just a." Someone has a drug problem; therefore, they've committed another crime, right? I mean, that's that's how some you know, it's, people think that way sometimes, and they say that's not part of the evidence. That really is not part of the case at all. That is that shouldn't be considered. So, why on earth should you consider what happened in the case of Derek Chauvin? Why should the other uh, the other Incidents that Black Lives Matter will protest, or the other names that they mention in you know having having suffered similar fates as as BLM would argue at the hands of police officers unjustifiably killed <clears throat> for whatever whatever reason. They don't even get in necessarily to the reasons. They just say this person, this person, this person. Um. What does it have to do with Derek Chauvin? And so now this guy's saying that you get into the jury room, you become a juror to spark this change. This is so now is Officer Chauvin at, is part of the evidence in this guy's in this juror's mind? What happened in another case? This is really, really inexcusable and dangerous. And again, we are literally. On the threshold of this potentially, I mean, again, I guarantee they don't want to have to do this, but at some point, reason and logic demand that you have to seriously consider the possibility that this is a mistrial if we get, I mean, maybe even at this level, I don't know. not predicting it will happen. I'm just saying this is the sort of thing that causes judges to have to look at this and say, I can't allow this to be the case. This is not... They didn't really – maybe the verdict would have been the same, but this is not, this is not part of the – this shouldn't have been part of their decision-making. Now they're out there publicly saying this stuff, at least one of them. So quick timeout is in order. You're listening here to Conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. My friends, by the way, this program brought to you in part by R&R Products. R&R Products located here locally in Danville, just a little bit west of Indianapolis. Family owned and operated, have hardwood, laminate, vinyl, carpet, tile floor products, much more. Pricing is really good as well. In fact, I encourage you, if you're looking for flooring, to check them out, randrproducts.com. And a spelled out, R&R products.com See what they have to offer. Um, even if you just want to get a you know a comparable quote on flooring you've been looking at elsewhere. Encourage you to look at the folks at R. Check out their website. Located here locally in Danville. I think you'll find their prices are, I really think, second to none. So check them out, rnrproducts.com. So just a couple other things here because the time is ticking away here but this this juror also mr. Mitchell told the Star Tribune that he well so you have to a- answer a questionnaire and then the the attorneys ask you questions prior to being selected as a juror and um he appears to have not given completely thorough or correct answers in his in his application. So for example, or his questionnaire, I should say, for example, um, he said that the march in D.C. that he attended, which he attended this march in D.C., he said it was 100% not a march for George Floyd, even though you can go and look on social media, as Red State pointed out here, they were calling this the get-your-knee-off-our-necks protest. Many outlets, that's what they – now, it was called the March on Washington, but many were referring to it as the get-your-knee-off-our-necks protest, which, of course, also was like his, was like his shirt. Lots of other – just problematic things. This is the sort of stuff that cannot get into our criminal justice system in our jury rooms, but this is where we are. So, got to take a break. Come back and wrap up. Back here in just a minute. So to clarify here, in the waning moments, this juror went to D.C. Now, it was officially a remembrance march for Martin Luther King Jr., but it was also referred to as the Get Your Knees Off Our Necks march, and that's where he wore the T-shirt, BLM T-shirt, that specifically said Get Your Knees Off Our Neck, had a picture of Martin Luther King in the middle. And the wards went around the picture and said BLM under. And he said in his questionnaire he did not participate in protests. So I gotta go. F SDG. See you tomorrow. Take care.